Question 14, Part 2 of Summa Theologica, Pars Prima Initial Questions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Jim Ruddy. Ninth article, Whether God Has Knowledge of Things That Are Not. Objection 1. It seems that God has not knowledge of things that are not, for the knowledge of God is of true things. But truth and being are convertible terms. Therefore the knowledge of God is not of things that are not. Objection 2. Further, knowledge requires likeness between the knower and the thing known. But those things that are not cannot have any likeness to God, who is very being. Therefore what is not cannot be known by God. Objection 3. Further, the knowledge of God is the cause of what is known by Him. But it is not the cause of things that are not, because a thing that is not has no cause. Therefore God has no knowledge of things that are not. On the contrary, the apostle says, Who calleth those things that are not as those that are? I answer, that God knows all things, whosoever that in any way are. Now it is possible that things that are not absolutely should be in a certain sense. For things absolutely are which are actual, whereas things which are not actual are in the power either of God himself or of a creature, whether in active power or passive, whether in power of thought or of imagination, or of any other manner of meaning whatsoever. Whatever therefore can be made or thought or said by the creature, as also whatever he himself can do, all are known to God, although they are not actual. And insofar as it can be said that he has knowledge even of things that are not. Now a certain difference is to be noted in the consideration of those things that are not actual. For though some of them may not be in act now, still they were or they will be. And God is said to know all these with the knowledge of vision. For since God's act of understanding, which is his being, is measured by eternity, and since eternity is without succession, comprehending all time, the present glance of God extends over all time, and to things which exist in any time, as to objects present to him. But there are things in God's power, or the creatures, which nevertheless are not, nor will be, nor were. And as regards these, he is said to have knowledge not of vision, but of simple intelligence. This is so called, because the things we see around us have distinct being outside the seer. Reply to Objection 1. Those things that are not actual are true in so far as they are in potentiality, for it is true that they are in potentiality, and as such they are known by God. Reply to objection 2. Since God is very being, everything is in so far as it participates in the likeness of God, as everything is hot in so far as it participates in heat. So things in potentiality are known by God, although they are not in act. Reply to objection 3. The knowledge of God joined to his will is the cause of things. Hence it is not necessary that whatever God knows is or was or will be, but only is this necessary as regards what he wills to be or permits to be. Further, it is in the knowledge of God not that they be, but that they be possible. Tenth article, whether God knows evil things. Objection 1. It seems that God does not know evil things, 
For the philosopher says that the intellect which is not in potentiality does not know privation, but evil is the privation of good, as Augustine says. Therefore, as the intellect of God is never in potentiality, but is always in act, as is clear from the foregoing, it seems that God does not know evil things. Objection 2. Further, all knowledge is either the cause of the thing known, or is caused by it. But the knowledge of God is not the cause of evil, nor is it caused by evil. Therefore, God does not know evil things. Objection 3. Further, everything known is known either by its likeness or by its opposite. But whatever God knows, he knows through his essence, as is clear from the foregoing. Now, the divine essence neither is the likeness of evil, nor is evil contrary to it. For to the divine essence there is no contrary, as Augustine says. Therefore, God does not know evil things. Objection 4. Further, what is known through another and not through itself is imperfectly known. But evil is not known by God, for the thing known must be in the knower. Therefore, if evil is known through another, namely through good, it would be known by him imperfectly, which cannot be, for the knowledge of God is not imperfect. Therefore, God does not know evil things. On the contrary, it is written, Hell and destruction are before God. I answer that whoever knows a thing perfectly must know all that can be accidental to it. Now there are some good things to which corruption by evil may be accidental. Hence God would not know good things perfectly unless he knows evil things. Now a thing is knowable in the degree in which it is. And since this is the essence of evil, that it is the privation of good, by the fact that God knows good things, he knows evil things also, as by light is known darkness. Hence Dionysius says, God through himself receives the vision of darkness, not otherwise seeing darkness except through light. Reply to Objection 1. The saying of the philosopher must be understood as meaning that the intellect, which is not in potentiality, does not know privation by privation existing in it. And this agrees with what he said previously, that a point and every indivisible thing are known by privation of division. This is because simple and indivisible forms are in our intellect, not actually, but only potentially. For were they actually in our intellect, they would not be known by privation. It is thus that simple things are known by separate substances. God therefore knows evil not by privation existing in himself, but by the opposite good. Reply to Objection 2. The knowledge of God is not the cause of evil, but is the cause of the good whereby evil is known. Reply to Objection 3. Although evil is not opposed to the divine essence, which is not corruptible by evil, it is opposed to the effects of God, which he knows by his essence, and knowing them he knows the opposite evils. Reply to Objection 4. To know a thing by something else only belongs to imperfect knowledge, if that thing is of itself knowable. But evil is not of itself knowable forasmuch as the very nature of evil means the privation of good. Therefore, evil can neither be defined nor known except by good. Eleventh article, whether God knows singular things. Objection 1. It seems that God does not know singular things, for the divine intellect is more immaterial than the human intellect, now the human intellect, by reason of its immateriality, does not know singular things. But as the philosopher says, 
reason has to do with universals, sense with singular things. Therefore God does not know singular things. Objection 2. Further in us, those faculties alone know the singular which receive the species not abstracted from material conditions. But in God things are in the highest degree abstracted from all materiality. Therefore God does not know singular things. Objection 3. Further, all knowledge comes about through the medium of some likeness. But the likeness of singular things, insofar as they are singular, does not seem to be in God. For the principle of singularity is matter, which since it is in potentiality only, is altogether unlike God, who is pure act. Therefore God cannot know singular things. On the contrary, it is written, All the ways of a man are open to his eyes. I answer that God knows singular things. For all perfections found in creatures pre-exist in God in a higher way, as is clear from the foregoing. Now to know singular things is part of our perfection. Hence God must know singular things. Even the philosopher considers it incongruous that anything known by us should be unknown to God. And thus against Empedocles he argues that God would be most ignorant if he did not know discord. Now the perfections which are divided among inferior beings exist simply and unitedly in God. Hence although by one faculty we know the universal and immaterial, and by another we know singular and material things, nevertheless God knows both by his simple intellect. Now some, wishing to show how this can be, said that God knows singular things by universal causes. For nothing exists in any singular thing that does not arise from some universal cause. They give the example of an astrologer who knows all the universal movements of the heavens and can thence foretell all eclipses that are to come. This, however, is not enough. For singular things from universal causes attain to certain forms and powers which, however they may be joined together, are not individualized except by individual matter. Hence, he who knows Socrates because he is white, or because he is the son of Sophroniscus, or because of something of that kind, would not know him in so far as he is this particular man. Hence, according to the aforesaid mode, God would not know singular things in their singularity. On the other hand, others have said that God knows singular things by the application of universal causes to particular effects. But this will not hold forasmuch as no one can apply a thing to another unless he first knows that thing. Hence the said application cannot be the reason of knowing the particular, for it presupposes the knowledge of singular things. Therefore, it must be said otherwise, that since God is the cause of things by his knowledge, as stated above, his knowledge extends as far as his causality extends. Hence, as the active power of God extends not only to forms, which are the source of universality, but also to matter, as we shall prove further on, the knowledge of God must extend to singular things which are individualized by matter. For since he knows things other than himself by his essence, as being the likeness of things, or as their active principle, his essence must be the sufficing principle of knowing all things made by him, not only in the universal, but also in the singular. The same would apply to the knowledge of the artificer, if it were productive of the whole thing and not only of the form.
Reply to Objection 1. Our intellect abstracts the intelligible species from the individualizing principles. Hence the intelligible species in our intellect cannot be the likeness of the individual principles. And on that account our intellect does not know the singular. But the intelligible species in the divine intellect, which is the essence of God, is immaterial not by abstraction, but of itself, being the principle of all the principles which enter into the composition of things, whether principles of the species or principles of the individual. Hence by it God knows not only universal, but also singular things. Reply to Objection 2. Although as regards the species in the divine intellect, its being has no material conditions like the images received in the imagination and sense, yet its power extends to both immaterial and material things. Reply to Objection 3. Although matter as regards its potentiality recedes from likeness to God, yet even in so far as it has being in this wise, it retains a certain likeness to the divine being. Twelfth article, whether God can know infinite things. Objection 1. It seems that God cannot know infinite things, for the infinite as such is unknown, since the infinite is that to those who measure it leaves always something more to be measured, as the philosopher says. Moreover, Augustine says that whatever is comprehended by knowledge is bounded by the comprehension of the knower. Now infinite things have no boundary, therefore they cannot be comprehended by the knowledge of God. Objection 2. Further, if we say that things infinite in themselves are finite in God's knowledge, against this it may be urged that the essence of the infinite is that it is untraversable, and the finite that it is traversable, as said in physics. But the infinite is not traversable either by the finite or by the infinite, as is proved in physics. Therefore, the infinite cannot be bounded by the finite, nor even by the infinite. And so the infinite cannot be finite in God's knowledge, which is infinite. Objection 3. Further, the knowledge of God is a measure of what is known, but it is contrary to the essence of the infinite that it be measured. Therefore, infinite things cannot be known by God. On the contrary, Augustine says, although we cannot number the infinite, nevertheless it can be comprehended by him whose knowledge has no bounds. I answer, that since God knows not only things actual, but also things possible to himself or to created things, as shown above, and as these must be infinite, it must be held that he knows infinite things. Although the knowledge of vision, which has relation only to things that are, or will be, or were, is not of infinite things, as some say, for we do not say that the world is eternal, nor that generation and movement will go on forever, so that individuals be infinitely multiplied, Yet if we consider more attentively, we must hold that God knows infinite things even by the knowledge of vision. For God knows even the thoughts and affections of hearts, which will be multiplied to infinity as rational creatures go on forever. The reason of this is to be found in the fact that the knowledge of every knower is measured by the mode of the form which is the principle of knowledge. For the sensible image in sense is the likeness of only one individual thing and can give the knowledge of only one individual. But the intelligible species of our intellect is the likeness of the thing as regards its specific nature, which is participable by infinite particulars. Hence our intellect 
by the intelligible species of man in a certain way knows infinite men not however as distinguished from each other but as communicating in the nature of the species and the reason is because the intelligible species of our intellect is the likeness of man not as to the individual principles but as to the principles of the species on the other hand the divine essence whereby the divine intellect understands is a sufficing likeness of all things that are or can be not only as regards the universal principles but also as regards the principles proper to each one as shown above hence it follows that the knowledge of god extends to infinite things even as distinct from each other reply to objection one the idea of the infinite pertains to quantity as the philosopher says but the idea of quantity implies the order of parts therefore to know the infinite according to the mode of the infinite is to know part after part and in this way the infinite cannot be known for whatever quantity of parts be taken there will always remain something else outside but god does not know the infinite or infinite things as if he enumerated part after part since he knows all things simultaneously and not successively as said above hence there is nothing to prevent him from knowing infinite things reply to objection two transition imports a certain succession of parts and hence it is that the infinite cannot be traversed by the finite nor by the infinite but equality suffices for comprehension because that is said to be comprehended which has nothing outside the comprehender hence it is not against the idea of the infinite to be comprehended by the infinite and so what is infinite in itself can be called finite to the knowledge of god as comprehended but not as if it were traversable reply to objection three the knowledge of god is the measure of things not quantitatively for the infinite is not subject to this kind of measure but it is the measure of the essence and truth of things for everything has truth of nature according to the degree in which it imitates the knowledge of god as the thing made by art agrees with the art granted however an actually infinite number of things for instance an infinitude of men or an infinitude in continuous quantity as an infinitude of air as some of the ancients held yet it is manifest that these would have a determinate and finite being because their being would be limited to some determinate nature hence they would be measurable as regards the knowledge of god thirteenth article whether the knowledge of god is of future contingent things objection one it seems that the knowledge of god is not of future contingent things for from a necessary cause proceeds a necessary effect but the knowledge of god is the cause of things known as said above since therefore that knowledge is necessary what he knows must also be necessary therefore the knowledge of god is not of contingent things objection two further every conditional proposition of which the antecedent is absolutely necessary must have an absolutely necessary consequent for the antecedent is to the consequent as principles are to the conclusion and from necessary principles only a necessary conclusion can follow as is proved in the posterior analytics but this is a true conditional proposition if god knew that this thing will be it will be for the knowledge of god is only of true things 
Now the antecedent conditional of this is absolutely necessary because it is eternal and because it is signified as past. Therefore the consequent is also absolutely necessary. Therefore whatever God knows is necessary. And so the knowledge of God is not of contingent things. Objection 3. Further, everything known by God must necessarily be, because even what we ourselves know must necessarily be. And, of course, the knowledge of God is much more certain than ours. But no future contingent things must necessarily be. Therefore, no contingent future thing is known by God. On the contrary, it is written, He who hath made the hearts of every one of them, who understandeth all their works, that is, of men. Now the works of men are contingent, being subject to free will. Therefore God knows future contingent things. I answer that, since as was shown above, God knows all things, not only things actual, but also things possible to him and creature. And since some of these are future contingent to us, it follows that God knows future contingent things. In evidence of this, we must consider that a contingent thing can be considered in two ways. First, in itself, insofar as it is now in act, and in this sense it is not considered as future but as present. Neither is it considered as contingent as having reference to one of two terms, but as determined to one. And on account of this, it can be infallibly the object of certain knowledge. For instance, to the sense of sight, as when I see that Socrates is sitting down. In another way, a contingent thing can be considered as it is in its cause, and in this way it is considered as future and as a contingent thing not yet determined to one, forasmuch as a contingent cause has relation to opposite things, and in this sense a contingent thing is not subject to any certain knowledge. Hence, whoever knows a contingent effect in its cause only has merely a conjectural knowledge of it. Now God knows all contingent things not only as they are in their causes, but also as each one of them is actually in itself. And although contingent things become actual successively, nevertheless God knows contingent things not successively as they are in their own being, as we do, but simultaneously. The reason is because his knowledge is measured by eternity, as is also his being and eternity being simultaneously whole comprises all time, as said above. Hence all things that are in time are present to God from eternity, not only because he has the types of things present within him, as some say, but because his glance is carried from eternity over all things as they are in their presentiality. Hence it is manifest that contingent things are infallibly known by God, inasmuch as they are subject to the divine sight in their presentiality yet they are future contingent things in relation to their own causes. Reply to Objection 1. Although the supreme cause is necessary, the effect may be contingent by reason of the proximate contingent cause, just as the germination of a plant is contingent by reason of the proximate contingent cause, although the movement of the sun, which is the first cause, is necessary. So likewise, things known by God are contingent on account of their proximate causes, while the knowledge of God, which is the first cause, is necessary. Reply to Objection 2. Some say that this antecedent, God knew this contingent to be future, is not necessary but contingent, because although it is past, still it imports relation to the future. This, however, does not remove necessity from it, for 
whatever has had relation to the future must have had it, although the future sometimes does not follow. On the other hand, some say that this antecedent is contingent because it is compound of necessary and contingent. As this saying is contingent, Socrates is a white man. This is also to no purpose, for when we say God knew this contingent to be future, contingent is used here only as the matter of the word and not as the chief part of the proposition. Hence, its contingency or necessity has no reference to the necessity or contingency of the proposition or to its being true or false. For it may be just as true that I said a man is an ass as that I said Socrates runs or God is, and the same applies to necessary and contingent. As it must be said that this antecedent is absolutely necessary, nor does it follow, as some say, that the consequent is absolutely necessary, because the antecedent is the remote cause of the consequent, which is contingent by reason of the proximate cause. But this is to no purpose, for the conditional would be false were its antecedent the remote necessary cause, and the consequent a contingent effect. As, for example, if I said, if the sun moves, the grass will grow. Therefore, we must reply otherwise, that when the antecedent contains anything belonging to an act of the soul, the consequent must be taken not as it is in itself, but as it is in the soul. For the existence of a thing in itself is different from the existence of a thing in the soul. For example, when I say, what the soul understands is immaterial, this is to be understood, that it is immaterial as it is in the intellect, not as it is in itself. Likewise, if I say, if God knew anything, it will be, the consequent must be understood as it is subject to the divine knowledge, that is, as it is in its presentiality. And thus it is necessary, as also is the antecedent, for everything that is, while it is, must be necessarily. As the philosopher says in the Parahymenaeus. Reply to Objection 3. Things reduced to act in time as known by us successively in time, but by God are known in eternity, which is above time. Whence to us they cannot be certain, forasmuch as we know future contingent things as such. But they are certain to God alone, whose understanding is in eternity above time. Just as he who goes along the road does not see those who come after him, whereas he who sees the whole road from a height sees at once all traveling by the way. Hence what is known by us must be necessary even as it is in itself, for what is future contingent in itself cannot be known by us, whereas what is known by God must be necessary according to the mode in which they are subject to the divine knowledge, as already stated, but not absolutely as considered in their own causes. Hence also this proposition, everything known by God must necessarily be, is usually distinguished for this may refer to the thing or to the saying. If it refers to the thing, it is divided and false, for the sense is everything which God knows is necessary. If it is understood of the saying, it is composite and true, for the sense is this proposition, that which is known by God is, is necessary. Now some urge an objection and say that this distinction holds good with regard to forms that are separable from the subject. Thus, if I said, it is possible for a white thing to be black. It is false as applied to the saying, and true as applied to the thing. For a thing which is white can become black, whereas this saying, a white thing is black, can never be true. 
but in forms that are inseparable from the subject this distinction does not hold for instance if i said a black crow can be white for in both senses it is false now to be known by god is inseparable from the thing for what is known by god cannot be known this objection however would hold if these words that which is known implied any disposition inherent to the subject but since they import an act of the knower something can be attributed to the thing known in itself even if it always be known which is not attributed to it in so far as it stands under actual knowledge thus material existence is attributed to a stone in itself which is not attributed to it inasmuch as that is it is known fourteenth article whether god knows enunciable things objection one it seems that god does not know enunciable things for to know enunciable things belongs to our intellect as it composes and divides but in the divine intellect there is no composition therefore god does not know enunciable things objection two further every kind of knowledge is made through some likeness but in god there is no likeness of enunciable things since he is altogether simple therefore god does not know enunciable things on the contrary it is written the lord knoweth the thoughts of men but enunciable things are contained in the thoughts of men therefore god knows enunciable things i answer that since it is in the power of our intellect to form enunciations and since god knows whatever is in his own power or in that of creatures as said above it follows of necessity that god knows all enunciations that can be formed now just as he knows material things immaterially and composite things simply so likewise he knows enunciable things not after the manner of enunciable things as if in his intellect there were composition or division of enunciations for he knows each thing by simple intelligence by understanding the essence of each thing as if we by the very fact that we understand what man is were to understand all that can be predicated of man this however does not happen in our intellect which discourses from one thing to another forasmuch as the intelligible species represents one thing in such a way as not to represent another hence when we understand what man is we do not forthwith understand other things which belong to him but we understand them one by one according to a certain succession on this account the things we understand as separated we must reduce to one by way of composition or division by forming an enunciation now the species of the divine intellect which is god's essence suffices to represent all things hence by understanding his essence god knows the essences of all things and also whatever can be accidental to them reply to objection one this objection would avail if god knew enunciable things after the manner of enunciable things reply to objection two enunciatory composition signifies some existence of a thing and thus god by his existence which is his essence is the similitude of all those things which are signified by enunciation fifteenth article whether the knowledge of god 
is variable. Objection 1. It seems that the knowledge of God is variable. For knowledge is related to what is knowable. But whatever imports relation to creatures is applied to God from time and varies according to the variation of creatures. Therefore the knowledge of God is variable according to the variation of creatures. Objection 2. Further, whatever God can make, he can know. But God can make more things than he does. Therefore he can know more than he knows. Thus his knowledge can vary according to increase and diminution. Objection 3. Further, God knew that Christ would be born. But he does not know now that Christ will be born, because Christ is not to be born in the future. Therefore, God does not know everything he once knew, and thus the knowledge of God is variable. I answer, on the contrary, it is said that in God there is no change nor shadow of alteration. Since the knowledge of God is his substance, as is clear from the foregoing, just as his substance is altogether immutable, as shown above, so his knowledge likewise must be altogether invariable. Reply to Objection 1. Lord, Creator, and the like import relations to creatures insofar as they are in themselves, but the knowledge of God imports relation to creatures insofar as they are in God, because everything is actually understood according as it is in the one who understands. Now, created things are in God in an invariable manner, while they exist variably in themselves. We may also say that Lord, Creator, and the like import the relations consequent upon the acts which are understood as terminating in the creatures themselves as they are in themselves, and thus these relations are attributed to God variously according to the variation of creatures. But knowledge and love and the like import relations consequent upon the acts which are understood to be in God, and therefore these are predicated of God in an invariable way. Reply to Objection 2. God knows also what he can make and does not make. Hence, from the fact that he can make more than he makes, it does not follow that he can know more than he knows, unless this be referred to the knowledge of vision, according to which he is said to know those things which are in act in some period of time. But from the fact that he knows some things might be which are not, or that some things might not be which are, does not follow that his knowledge is variable, but rather that he knows the variability of things. If, however, anything existed which God did not previously know and afterwards knew, then his knowledge would be variable, but this could not be. For whatever is or can be in any period of time is known by God in his eternity. Therefore, from the fact that a thing exists in some period of time, it follows that it is known by God from eternity. Therefore, it cannot be granted that God can know more than he knows, because such a proposition implies that first of all he did not know and then afterwards knew. Reply to Objection 3. The ancient nominalists said that it was the same thing to say Christ is born and will be born and was born because the same thing is signified by these three, namely the nativity of Christ. Therefore it follows, they said, that whatever God knew, he knows, because now he knows that Christ is born, which means the same thing as that Christ will be born. This opinion, however, is false, both because the diversity in the parts of a sentence causes a diversity of enunciations, 
and because it would follow that a proposition which is true once would always be true which is contrary to what the philosopher lays down when he says that this sentence socrates sits is true when he is sitting and false when he rises up therefore it must be conceded that this proposition is not true whatever god knew he knows if referred to enunciable propositions but because of this it does not follow that the knowledge of god is variable for as it is without variation in the divine knowledge that god knows one and the same thing some time to be and some time not to be so it is without variation in the divine knowledge that god knows an enunciable proposition is sometimes true and sometimes false the knowledge of god however would be variable if he knew enunciable things by way of enunciation by composition and division as occurs in our intellect hence our knowledge varies either as regards truth and falsity for example if when either as regards truth or falsity if when a thing suffers change we retained the same opinion about it or as regards diverse opinions as if we first thought that any one was sitting and afterwards thought that he was not sitting neither of which can be in god sixteenth article whether god has a speculative knowledge of things objection one it seems that god has not a speculative knowledge of things for the knowledge of god is the cause of things as shown above but speculative knowledge is not the cause of the things known therefore the knowledge of god is not speculative objection to further speculative knowledge comes by abstraction from things which does not belong to the divine knowledge therefore the knowledge of god is not speculative on the contrary whatever is the more excellent must be attributed to god but speculative knowledge is more excellent than practical knowledge as the philosopher says in the beginning of the metaphysics therefore god has a speculative knowledge of things i answer that some knowledge is speculative only some is practical only and some is partly speculative and partly practical in proof whereof it must be observed that knowledge can be called speculative in three ways first on the part of the things known which are not operable by the knower such is the knowledge of man about natural or divine things secondly as regards the manner of knowing as for instance if a builder consider a house by defining and dividing and considering what belongs to it in general for this is to consider operable things in a speculative manner and not as practically operable for operable means the application of form to matter and not the resolution of the composite into its universal formal principles thirdly as regards the end for the practical intellect differs in its end from the speculative as the philosopher says for the practical intellect is ordered to the end of the operation whereas the end of the speculative intellect is the consideration of the truth hence if a builder should consider how a house can be made not ordering this to the end of operation but only to know how to do it this would be only a speculative consideration as regards the end although it concerns an operable thing therefore knowledge which is speculative by reason of the thing itself known is merely speculative but that which is speculative either in its mode or as to its end is partly speculative and partly practical and when it is ordained to an operative end it is simply practical 
In accordance with this, therefore, it must be said that God has of himself a speculative knowledge only, for he himself is not operable. But of all other things he has both speculative and practical knowledge. He has speculative knowledge as regards the mode, for whatever we know speculatively in things, by defining and dividing, God knows all this much more perfectly. Now, of things which he can make, but does not make at any time, he has not a practical knowledge, according as knowledge is called practical from the end. But he has a practical knowledge of what he makes in some period of time. And as regards evil things, although they are not operable by him, yet they fall under his practical knowledge like good things, inasmuch as he permits or impedes or directs them. As also sicknesses fall under the practical knowledge of the physician, inasmuch as he cures them by his art. Reply to Objection 1. The knowledge of God is the cause, not indeed of himself, but of other things. He is actually the cause of some, that is, of things that come to be in some period of time. And he is virtually the cause of others, that is, of things which he can make, but which nevertheless are never made. Reply to Objection 2. The fact that knowledge is derived from things known does not essentially belong to speculative knowledge, but only accidentally in so far as it is human. In answer to what is objected, on the contrary, we must say that perfect knowledge of operable things is obtainable only if they are known in so far as they are operable. Therefore, since the knowledge of God is in every way perfect, he must know what is operable by him formally as such, and not only in so far as they are speculative. Nevertheless, this does not impair the nobility of his speculative knowledge, forasmuch as he sees all things other than himself in himself, and he knows himself speculatively, and so in the speculative knowledge of himself he possesses both speculative and practical knowledge of all other things. The end of question 14. Part 2.